Hello and welcome to Red Shirts, a podcast about Star Trek. I'm your host, Jake Donaldson, and I'm joined as ever by my co-hosts, Maddie Dixon Hill Church House and Nathan Dixon Pills Thomas. <laughs> Without further ado, let's engage! <laughs> Look, I'm I'm not proud of this. Week's, uh, <laughs> what does it this, mean? I don't really know. the The saddest thing, though, is that this because we've not recorded an episode in about three weeks because of our Christmas break uh, or two weeks or whatever. That that's the longest I've had to come up with one, and it's also the worst <laughs> one that I've ever done. <laughs> happy 2022, listeners! Yeah, indeed. Happy 2022. I hope you all had a lovely New Year. Um, we're back uh, for for New Year. Uh, we're back for 2022. Here's to another uh, year of podcasting, hopefully. Um, <laughs> and we're starting with something really special. I think um, listeners who uh, who have listened to a couple of months ago uh, our special episode that we did live from uh, Destination Star Trek in London uh, will have heard that we were privy to an exciting uh, sorry what's Maddie waving around in the camera (laughs) what is that what is that (laughs) it's an ice ice pick it's an ice pick for some reason, Maddie decided to just get an ice pick out and start waving it around in the camera while I was doing the intro. It's the, I wanted it's... to start strong on the serial killer vibes for 2022. <laughs> it's very big Klingon energy, actually. I feel like the world's girliest serial killer with my shiny pink ice axe. It's quite scary it's looking, actually. It? It, it sort of looks like the head of a pterodactyl. It does. <laughs> She's just managed to to dismantle her own microphone with an ice axe. <laughs> right, I'm putting the ice axe down. I On what other podcast could you see this level of professionalism, <laughs> listeners? Like many podcasts could hit their microphone and ruin their sound quality, but only on this one can we do it with an ice axe. A hot pink <laughs> ice axe, ladies and gentlemen. That's what you listen to red shirts for, isn't it? Oh, start the year as we mean to go on. I think. <laughs> <laughs> any other podcast would be like right this is our first year of the year we're maybe going to get new listeners it's a new start we're going to try and be really professional we had a chat a couple of weeks ago about all the new exciting things we wanted to do with the podcast this year straight off the bat professional yeah. <laughs> professionally destroying the uh, the introduction to the show but in a fun way that that's very much the red shirts way <laughs> so anyway you were saying there was a special thing jake there was a special thing. So we, you may remember from that episode that we recorded from uh, Destination Star Trek that we uh, were part of a special cavalier group of, uh, of Star Trek fans who, in the UK who were the first people in, in the UK to uh, ever see legally uh, <laughs> the, the first two episodes of the brand new Star Trek show Star Trek Prodigy, the Woo! animated show aimed at children um, for Nickelodeon. Uh, it's still, as we record this, it's the uh, 6th of January 2022. It's still not uh, legally uh, available in the UK. Uh, it's available in America, but they chose to show it to a select group of people at Destination Star Trek uh, just before Christmas. So we have seen it and we can therefore do an episode about it, which is really exciting. Yeah. Um, I'm trying not to get distracted again because Maddie <laughs> has now put on some sort of weird hat that makes her look like a I don't know what it is a rabbit or a some kind of you look like it's, it's my, like a white sort of ha- happy rabbit sort of hood head thing. It's that makes my you look bunny like, helmet cover. When I'm wearing a ski helmet, I put this on the top and then I look like a fluffy rabbit when I'm going down yeah, the ski run. Because what you want, famously, when you're in a situation where you might get lost under some snow is something that makes your entire head look white. <laughs> Sorry. It's fine. Look. <laughs> I feel I can already tell that this episode's going to be weird, so uh, let's try and remain somewhat on track uh, and... 
we can have a an episode description from Nathan Thomas about uh, Lost and Found, which are the first two episodes uh, which were released as one special back-to-back thing that we've seen uh, of Star Trek Prodigy. So uh, off you go, Nathan. Okay. We begin in a prison colony where Dal Rael is noting the timing of different machinery to help his escape. We see a mysterious figure and then a cyborg called Dreadnought approaches and interrogates Dal about the same mysterious figure. Dal denies everything and Dreadnought um, threatens Dal when suddenly there is a huge explosion. Dal seizes the opportunity to run. Dal tries to speak to a number of different creatures, but translators are banned on the colony, so all he can do is uh, gesture to a creature made of rocks, cause the creature to spill food all over its shape. He hijinks his escape, annoying a Tellarite and joyriding loaders and the like until he fall, falls short of his goal and is recaptured. Elsewhere, we see a Kazon ship land and give away a young Caitlin child. Uh, the translator Gwyn puts a stop to a, uh, to the deal, um, but Dregnock is pretty angry about this. Gwyn is summoned to a chamber containing her dad in a bath of fluid. Her father is the Diviner, the ruler of this place. The Diviner wants to find out about Dal, uh, though, and if he is in league with Fugitive Zero, the mysterious figure they were trying to track. The guy causing all these real problems. Gwyn says she'll speak to him and torture won't even be needed. Dreadnought and the Divider have a generic evil villain conversation and name drop the Federation. <laughs> uh, Dal is imprisoned, he hears a spooky voice, observing he is resilient and does not answer any questions back. Soon Dal and Gwyn meet, they talk about the escape attempt and the two snark about everything to each other for a bit. Gwen makes it pretty clear he uh, realises pretty quickly he knows fuck all about uh, Prisoner Zero, and so Gwen gives him the fugitive's last known location, find him, and I'll save you from some robot torture. Dallas partnered with the rock creature from before and tries to hilariously communicate. A series of comical mishaps occur, and the rock creature has to save them from a cave-in. Fortunately, the cave is in a cave full of crystals. Oh, and there's also this giant spaceship. I'm sure that's not plot relevant at all. Uh, which has a universal translator revealed by the two bickering once they get to the bridge. The rock creature introduces herself as Rock Tack. Uh, Fugitive Zero also steps onto the bridge and asks, how are we going to get out of here? Fugitive Zero uh, exposits that they're a non-corporeal life form in- inhabiting a crude robot suit. The group realise the Diviner wants the ship, and also that Zero did some mind-raping for the Diviner at one point. What? The group decide to fly out. Uh, they need at least five people for just an escape. Twenty if they want to, you know, be minimally functional. Zero says, first we need an engineer. So the group finds Pog. Pog is the Tellarite from before, and loves to argue. They use some reverse psychology to recruit him to the team. Back on the ship, the team has adapted, uh, adopted the, a blob named Murph. Zero senses that the enemy is approaching and Dal says that he is a survivor. It's time to survive! Dal, Gwyn and Dreadnought meet up. Dal's bullshit fails and Dreadnought catches him. Rocktack runs to the ship and tells everyone. We then cut to Dal being sentenced to hard labour. Gwyn and Dal grow closer and he escapes when the ground rips open and it is, yes, that abrupt. <laughs> um... Dal returns to the ship and everything uh, everything but the shields are working. Gwyn finds them and accuses Dal of working with Zero. Dal offers Gwyn a place in the crew, but Dreadnought and his goons are already here. Dreadnought reveals he knew about the ship, cluing Gwyn into the fact that he might not be, you know, a nice guy. The minions capture everyone and then they escape again. Uh, Dal tries to take Gwyn hostage. The minions fire on the ship, loosen- loosening it and sending it um, flying down the quest face before it fires into life and surges upward heroically. Uh, Dal is forced to repair the shields on the outside while fighting Dregnock. Dregnock then transforms into a cannon when he's eventually knocked off and tries to collapse the tunnel around the ship. The team find the pew-pew button and gloriously destroy the debris. Uh, the group's stargazers and a holographic Janeway activates and asks how she can be of assistance. Meanwhile, back on the planet, the Diviner is pretty pissed and orders Dregnock to his ship to pursue. And that is how the pilot ends. Thank you very dun, much, dun, Nathan. Dun 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 dun. So uh, this is exciting. It's the f- I think we're probably this is probably an exclusive. I think we're the first uh, podcast, certainly the first podcast in the UK, to review or, or talk about Star Trek Prodigy because it hasn't existed here yet, really. Woohoo! Um, so a lot of new characters, <laughs> lots of new stuff to talk about. Uh, we'll we'll uh, we'll discuss those in a minute. Uh, on the the fr- on the characters front. Um, We've been introduced to a lot of them. I struggle to remember who they are, so I've written a little list with some sort of helpful reminders next to them <laughs> to remind me who's who. So I just thought I'd read that out just so that we can be aware. So um, so Dal, 
he's so it, it'll be the name and then my little word for them my little name for them that I remind myself of in the head Dal purple lad Gwinola fit alien <laughs> Jankum Pog Adrian Pimento Zero Metal Mike Wazowski Rock Tark The Thing Murph Flubber <laughs> Dreadnought General Grievous <laughs> Oh Diviner God. Emperor Palpatine. So that, <laughs> yeah. That's how I remember them all, right? That that's that's ba- and oh but that God. also gives you an example of where we sort of fell on this episode after we first watched it. Um Yeah, that encapsulates that perfectly the fact that immediately after coming out of the screening, which by the way, was fantastic. It was in the middle of Destination Star Trek, like Katie Mulgrew herself introduced it and was extremely formidable and charismatic every bit as formidable and charismatic as actually Janeway is it was very very impressive we then came out of that and were like did we just watch an episode of Star Wars Clone Wars or something yes like it yeah it it felt very off and very weird I mean I, I think that will get better with later episodes from what I've heard like there's an episode um where they use so they do a Kobayashi Maru simulation, and the holodeck characters are various. Um, th- this sounds... I think we're going to cry when we watch this. So there's <laughs> Gates McFadden re- reprising Aww. Dr. Crusher's role. Yes. Everyone else is... They use archival recordings to give um, Uhura, Odo, Leonard Nimoy, and James Doohan, so Scotty and Spock. Aww. A final outing. Oh, that's um, really lovely. So the, the so that presumably will feel a lot more Star Trekky, but this first episode doesn't. Yeah, yes, <laughs> it's it's very um, interesting because it's actually it's a kind of a genre and a format of show that Star Trek hasn't had before. It's like yeah. unapologetically a kids' animation, and it has all of the hallmarks that you would expect of like if you switched on Nickelodeon and you were watching the hottest new show that had come out that year to try and fill the niche that's been left by I don't know Ben 10 or whatever um that that it that's what it feels like it feels like oh this yeah. is for, you know it's it feels much more like it fits into that niche than it fits into a stereotypical Star Trek niche at least in the way that I think we think about Star Trek um, which is really, really interesting. And I know that every single time there's a Star Trek series, there's about 5 million fans on the internet who go, this isn't Star Trek. This isn't like the old Star Trek. And then eventually that series gets accepted and absorbed into the canon. Um, and then, yeah. except by the racists. Yeah. And then the next one comes along. It's like, this isn't really Star Trek. And we go through yeah. the same cycle. And I definitely feel this is the first <laughs> one where I've been like, "Yeah, maybe this one's not for me, right?" Like, I'm just sure. like, I don't, I'm not offended by its existence, but I, uh, I doubt I will watch this save for the podcast. Whereas, yeah. like, Discovery, even though we haven't done it yet, and because we jump around a lot, like, we tend to be quite far behind where any series is. But I am watching like stuff. Uh, like, I mean, I need to catch up with Discovery because I've got a bit behind. But, like, you know, Lower Decks, when that came out, I was watching that as it came out. Uh, yeah. Discovery, I'm going to catch up with. Like, whereas here, I'm just... This is the first time that we've ever been ahead of the curve on a, on a show. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Reviewing it before it comes out. <laughs> we actually liked Star Trek Prodigy before it was popular. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, two of us did. Um, <laughs> I, I, I did I did enjoy it. I um so the for people who aren't aware that it's an so yes, it's an animated show, but it's not animated in the same way that uh, Lower Decks is animated, for example, where um Lower Decks is a very sort of cartoonish 2D, kind of two uh, D style. Yeah, exactly. Um, whereas this is cell shaded and uh, is looks, more sort of three D. It 3D. looks a lot like Ratchet and Clank. That's what I can't. Well, that's what cell shading is. That it's like yeah. it was originally developed for for video games, and then it got yeah. made into sort of a popular way of making uh, TV series. And there are loads of good uh, cell shaded uh, oh, yeah. sci fi 
TV it looks shows beautiful. that exist. You know and what it really looks like to Spider-Man me. Spider-Man cell shaded animated series from the early two thousands, which I would recommend as well. But um, it definitely it looks like Ratchet and Clank, and it also <laughs> looks like my favorite <laughs> cheesy, long forgotten kids animation from the mid noughties Stormhawks. That's what I'm, I immediately <laughs> thought of. Stormhawks. Don't laugh at me. It's my favorite. <laughs> I've never heard of Stormhawks. What is it about? It's about a load now. of people like sky pirates who like fly around in it in a ship and then Stormhawks. Oh, it's fucking oh, Stormhawks sounds like you know. Anna's Anna's going back to Russia tomorrow. I have a lot of time on my hands with my final day off before going back to work. I may live tweet this just. To <laughs> Hang on, I'm going to Google it as well. I want to have a look. Oh, um, this looks amazing. It's so good. Oh it looks terrible, God. but it looks amazing. Yeah, it does look terrible. And that um, kind of <laughs> upbeat, fast, quick, action, action, cool, everything's mecha, everything's yes. like we're, everything's we're awesome. made to look shiny and awesome. It's it's very much felt like that. And I think what was really interesting is that one of the other reasons it didn't feel Star Trekky is because it's one of the first I mean, maybe the first yeah, it's the first Star Trek thing I've ever seen that doesn't open with the setting being that on a ship. Like they yes. they open on a planet that is not part of the Federation, that is so far from the Federation that, to be perfectly honest, if it wasn't for the fact that it's a Federation ship and then at the end of the episode Janeway appears as the Hollow program, there's no reason why this should be a Star Trek episode. They've got this, yeah, exactly. they've got this lava planet, they've got all these weird aliens, none of which look particularly Star Trek-y bar the Tellarite. And then they also have this sort of immediate, very overly simplistic kind of kid-like, but entertaining, you know, setup of the good guys and the bad guys, where it's like, well, this one is an um, evil robot with glowing red eyes, so he must be evil because he works for the Dark Emperor who controls the planet. And I'm like, okay, yeah. So it's like the same as the start of every other single kid's animation in the history of time. Um, mm. which is fine it's just but that again is very very different from Star Trek which is normally a little bit maybe like a little bit more adult in the way that it handles scenes of morality and isn't just like the dark side of the force versus the light side of the yeah. force yeah exactly I think and, and I think Nathan has a point that as as we watch more of this series when it becomes available um, we might I hope we'll see a sort of a, a more Star Trek-y attitude towards morality because I think it's quite especially when something's aimed at children I understand that there's a, a fine line you've got to walk between being because I don't think we should talk down to children and pretend that everything's just like black and white like that but also there are a lot of difficult topics that you don't necessarily want to bombard children with when it comes to uh, morality and things like that uh, and I think Star Trek can sometimes fall down that way when it's speaking to younger audiences. So I hope that this becomes a way that Star Trek can speak to a much younger audience than it normally does in a way that they will enjoy. But that also gets across the messages that Star Trek, that, that you know, all the things that we like yeah. Star Trek for, for representing, hopefully. Um, but yes, this episode does definitely feel a lot like... Uh, more of a, a sort of Star Wars type thing, and, and like we, like Maddie was just saying, I think yeah, it's the first episode or the first new new show that when they start, they're um, they're not on a, a ship already. I also think I'm right in saying that it's the first series where the main characters aren't Starfleet. If you ignore the mm. McKee from uh, from yeah, uh, no, well, those are defected Starfleet officers. Yeah, exactly. The the McKee are all. Def- used to be Starfleet, and they're still a bit Starfleety. I mean, one thing, and one they're still thing a crew. Of, whereas this is, yeah, this, there isn't one a, of the a, things a, in my kind of researching. Um, I found someone on, I think it was Reddit or some other fan forum type mm-hmm. site to uh, observe that you can really. One of the things this show is good at, if you're a long-term Star Trek fan, is showing you the difference between how Starfleets trained crews are and how random people Mm -hmm. operating a spaceship in the Star Trek universe are because if you take by comparing this crew if you thought Lower Decks crew was a ragtag misfit (laughs) crew and then you look at this crew you're like no 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 those people are still trained professionals even if they're because I think tonally this is 
closest, weirdly, as Abel as Rodex is. Totally, the two are quite close. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's just stylistically, but like, you know, there's quite a bit of humor and silliness and comical sort of. Yeah. Well, I would argue that. Lower Decks, even though it's the one out of the two animated shows, is the one that is aimed at adults. I would say that Lower Decks is more childish than than Prodigy is. It's more irreverent. Yeah. It's like deliberately yeah. irreverent. Whereas this really does take itself seriously. And to be honest, I think it did suffer a little bit from that because there was only a couple of moments in the first two episodes where I... Where, where it was funny or, or where you know yeah. something made me smile in like a oh ha, ha well that was sort of unexpected kind of way the rest the rest it, it it was beautiful to look at and clearly they've spent a fuck ton of money yeah, an absolute yeah. fuck ton of money on the animation but none of it felt none of it felt unique and groundbreaking and again this is just mm. the first two episodes but it was a very derivative kind of opening plot like oh you know tear away in like a dystopian society wants to escape so he gathers accidentally gathers a band of you know mitch-mashed sort of rogue and they accidentally you know find a way to escape together meanwhile there's a mysterious arch baddie that's shrouded in shadow who sends out his terrifying kind of hench baddie to like chase after them oh and then there's you know there's the, the the young kind of prince zuko version of the character who like is is yeah. is the the trainee baddie but is like questioning herself and doesn't really yeah. want to be evil and yeah i'm like i'm like okay she-ra princess of power avatar the last airbender <laughs> like i'm sorry but all of these shows they have this formula it's a great formula but it kind of was just following the same steps yeah I mean, yeah it almost felt a bit designed by committee yes <laughs> Like, it was like, okay, we need, uh, we need an adorable blob character, uh, we need, uh, we're gonna need this, you know, like, that kind of thing. And I also kind of felt, it was when I was writing the summary up, actually, um, from my phenomenal memory, and not (laughs) the other sources, um, the, uh, the, I was like, fuck, nothing happens for a large swing (laughs) these two episodes, because it is just him, it is just Dal captured escape, captured escape. Like, the fact that the entire planet tears open at one point in in these two episodes, and that is only worth a bullet point in (laughs) in my summary, tells you a lot about how impactful that event apparently is. Yeah, I mean, it's worth saying as well that you know, it's a it's a kids animation show. The, the episodes are only twenty one minutes long. Um, yeah, quite sure. So, so to say that not much happens is quite an important thing to say because, like, you There's know, a lot of, to fit a plot in to fit. A, so the first two episodes are what, like forty five minutes in total, or something, forty minutes or something like that. Yeah, and they fit quite a lot of plot into it, but even though they fit all this plot into it and we're still saying that there's not much action and there's not much happening well, shows you how it's a very insufficient spin, the plot right? is. Like, there's a lot of noise, there's a lot yes. of tyre smoke but the car only moves a little bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, They could have, I'm thinking that this this opening episode culminates in them getting the ship and escaping as the crew together, right? If you think mm-hmm. of like the other two shows that I just have in my head, just because they're ones that like I've I've watched within recent memory. So, the in the first episode of Avatar: The Last Airbender, or the first episode of She-Ra: Princess of Power, it ends with that decision-making moment of like, okay, finding the sword or becoming She-Ra or breaking Ang out of the ice and deciding to go on the run with him. Both of those episodes are singular episodes, and they they do that in twenty minutes. But this has, they've spread it out over 40 minutes. And I think part of that maybe is because they want to have this like exciting double bill and, you know, mm-hmm. introduce all the characters and, you know, give them a lot of time. But for a lot of it, they don't actually interact in particularly meaningful ways because it's only you, when they're, they're still not a crew by the end of yeah. this. They're yeah. not, there will probably be something of a crew by the end of episode three, maybe four. Mm-hmm. But I don't, yeah, it's very. They when when there's um is it Dal? He's running around um this planet that's on fire, 
Um, he keeps kind of bumping into people or like his paths cross like Zero's looking at him from the distance or he like runs mm. into the rock creature um, and rock talk and but they don't actually you don't realize that they were gonna become part of each other's story until mm. kind of later on and I I think that like Nathan said that just a bit too much wheel spinning that I'm like, they could, they could have done that in 20 minutes. They could have had the initial escape as a successful one. Like, why did he have to fail and then escape again? Like, could they Mm -hmm. not have introduced the baddies right at the beginning? We didn't need to have, you know, a 30 minute extended chase across the planet being chased by general Grievous to establish that general Grievous is bad, is a bad guy. And is going to, is going to kill them. Like that's kind of obvious from the fact that he's got glowing red eyes. We know that. It's obvious from the fact that he's called, What's he called? Dreadnock. I mean, for God's Dreadnock. sake. Dreadnock. That, that's a Star Wars name if I've ever heard one. Like, yeah, he's called Dreadnock. Is, yeah. He's a giant robot with glowing metal red eyes. We get it. He's a bad guy. So, yeah, they. I think they. the committee created sort of vibe of it is quite strong, which I think is hilarious as well. Yeah. Because, for, like, this is completely deranged, but there was, like, a small amount of internet buzz when this was announced because Angus Imrie, who plays Zero, was like, yeah. for some reason, this became a thing. And, and then he addressed it where he was like, yeah, well, my character is non-binary because they're a fucking robot. <laughs> they're like, like, they're <laughs> like a gaseous being encased in like a metal shell. And then people were like, oh, my God, there's going to be a non-binary character in Star Trek Prodigy. And it just <laughs> makes me think like, woo, diversity win. Like the committee created capitalist machine. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. non-binary. It's like, like, what? Anyway. There's a phrase that I use sometimes when I'm talking about TV and film and stuff um, where I say, uh, you can feel the focus group. Yes. Um, yeah. Oh my god. Yes. And, it was like and it lots feels a lot of men like in they've suits. Done that. A lot of men yeah. in suits being like, "What are the What are the kids? The kids like to watch these days. What are the The kids yes. like explosions." Yeah, I feel it, it's a lot like they've made a version of a show. Show it's that you know that bit in The Simpsons where um where the the kids go and watch a screening uh, as part of a focus group and they get given a little knob with a twist thing on it and they twist it to yes when they're enjoying something and no when they're not enjoying it. Um, And then the guy with the speedos comes on and Nelson keeps turning Milhouse's buzzer to the yes thing (laughs) to make it look like he's gay. Um, And... uh, But it feels a lot like that. Like they've gone, right, here's a show for kids. Let's show it to some kids and then we'll we'll, we'll look at what the bits that they engage with most are and then we'll put loads of that in and the bits that kids engage with most because they're kids are the 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 funny cute blob character murph um and the the sort of cool action scenes where things are happening because it holds their attention because i think this is the issue we're trying to make a star star trek show for children is that a lot of the reason we like star trek is because it's about diplomacy and uh and sort of politics yeah. and things like that and and it's hard to get children to care about but like, that's not true that's not true how many great that might not be true maybe i'm wrong that like build up those kind of arcs over many episodes in a way that's just incredibly emotionally satisfying and engaging and it's just absolutely See, beloved by children maybe nowadays it is more like likely to talk like about talk about star wars because i think clone wars and rebels which are Probably some of the most successful cartoons aimed at kids from a... Yeah. Those shows are aimed at a younger audience than Star Wars usually aims at, and I don't think Star Wars doesn't, like, aim yeah. partly for a child. Star Wars Star Wars is aimed at 12-year-olds, so... Yeah, but, like, I still think that those shows are aimed younger. They're not meant to be enjoyed by adults, but can yeah. be. And I think part of the success of... Star Wars, The Clone Wars, and Rebels, and Bad Batch, all of which are shows I have watched fully, mm-hmm. is you can do both, right? Like, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, like, you know, Star Wars The Clone Wars is the best depiction of Anakin's fall to the dark side anywhere. Like, I will fight the internet on that. <laughs> because it go- and it and it has episodes like the episode with father, mother, and son, which is really, like, deepest force lore. It has episodes really exploring, like, really minutiae parts of the Star Wars universe showcasing characters from the prequels that don't get a shake. And same with Rebels and same with the thing. Um, Star Wars Resistance is worse and I think this show is slightly worse because it's 
does a bit too well. I'm saying that I haven't seen enough of it. I was going to really make this judgment, sh- but yeah. there's a lot of talking down that happens, and I think this show doesn't bother to suggest there will be much mm. legacy. But I hope that will be a problem they get over in the pilot. Yes. I think it's I think it's a weak pilot. Is I think where mm. I'm landing. I don't I, think the show's particularly bad, but I'm not sure this is the best pilot for it. I am. Um... I think that it's worth pointing out as well because I think we're, we're we are focusing a lot on the the similarities to Star Trek uh, to Star Wars, which I think is and that might irritate listeners because I know it's a Star Trek podcast, but I think it is worth talking about. And you know we've done like ninety odd episodes and we haven't really mentioned the other franchise ever, so you know I think you'll you can let us have one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but the um, I think the thing with shows like the clone wars and and uh and and all of and those animated star wars shows which I'll be honest I haven't watched um I've seen a, a couple of episodes of them but uh the, you know I, it wasn't really for me um but I think children coming into those shows have already seen the star wars films and are always already in, involved in star wars in some way they know a bit about it yeah. whereas I think star trek is not watched by a lot of children. Is not like a big thing that children are into for the reasons that I mentioned earlier. Um, and I think they have to try. I think that was probably a big challenge for the writers of Prodigy was how do we make this a Star Trek show and introduce the concepts of Star Trek to mm. a new audience who are young, who maybe aren't as patient as an older audience might be, without just being a, a remake of the next generation but as a cartoon or something um yeah and i think that is a point it did feel when you said that that i think is interesting and i think that they the committee that created this and co-wrote this (laughs) have had that exact (laughs) thought process because it almost felt jarring to me when janeway's hologram appeared towards the end like it actually felt so tonally out of out of sync with with everything that had happened up to that point it was almost yes. like they think oh well well but, but kids don't like like star trek stuff we've got to do all of this other stuff that like there's like mm. what's made the most money on on cartoon network in the last five years like we've got to do all of that stuff and then we're going to put in this like when they're already hooked yeah. in then we're going to put in the star trek stuff and i'm like like, yeah. like no be braver like just straight yeah. out be braver. The, problem, the, the other problem with this approach is I have excited... Imagine I have excited child who's just watched as much prodigy as they can. They've consumed all of it voraciously and they're like, Daddy, yeah. can I now watch more Star Trek? Yeah. Where do what you do go? I show them <laughs> yeah. that they're then going to... Like, I will... Because, like, I can caveat it with, I don't think this is going to be for you and stuff, but there's a danger of it... of them thinking it's... Again, we haven't seen enough... I mean, even in America, they've taken a break kind of over Christmas, so there's only four or five episodes that you can, even if you can't access it here mm. um, in your country. There's only so much you can find out. And I don't know that, like, this is true, but if it continues on this trajectory, like, it's thing. And I also think it means that to kind of correct this issue they kind of have, they now are going to have to do a lot of work in the next couple of episodes. Mm. Yeah. Um, which well, it, might mean those episodes can't be as strong in their individual stories because they're busy setting it mm-hmm. up. Well, it, it has been renewed for a second series. We know that. So uh, they yeah, do have so the space. Everything. Like, you know what America's like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that doesn't mean anything. That just means that executives have decided to throw more money at it. Like, that doesn't mean it's necessarily been popular or no. great. No, but what I mean is that we know that they have the go-ahead to create oh, a second so series so they have space up. to set stuff up exactly yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, okay yeah hopefully that will I, help i mean but i think you're right though that it feels a bit jarring sometimes um the the sort of star trek bits that are kind of shoehorned in here and there um because there, there are i mean there's there's a scene that i don't really understand why it's there <laughs> maybe it'll come back Maybe they were setting up something for a, a, an arc that's going to carry on through the show. But the bit where the Kazon turns up with that Cation child and uh, and then, you know, the, what's her name? Uh, the fit alien, Gwynela, um, she, like, does that thing where she's like, if you ever bring another child here, we'll kill you or whatever it is. Um, and uh, But then that 
never really goes anywhere as far as I can remember for the the rest of the episode. So I don't. I, it feels like they've just gone. Oh, we we're in the Delta Quadrant, so we can't just put a, um, you know, a, we we can't just stick a. a, a X alien name any other alien I've completely blanked on the names of all aliens in Star Trek and Andorian <laughs> yeah you could yeah you couldn't they can't just go right because they're in the Delta Quadrant it, this is set five years after Voyager gets back from the Delta Quadrant into the Alpha Quadrant so um, that we can't just pretend that there are loads of uh, traffic between the two places these days um, so they can't go here's an Andorian here's a Klingon here's a Vulcan they have to go right what what aliens do we have at our disposable, essentially from Voyager, that exist in the Delta Quadrant that we can put into this show? Um, and they've gone Kazon, who, you know, are a big set of characters in Voyager, and then Acacian, because they're cute and children will like the cute cat animal. Um, and then they've just left it at that, and it just feels like a way that they can go, oh, remember, we're Star Trek, guys. Here's a, yeah. here's some aliens from Star Trek. And then, you know, and then they put uh, Jank and Pog in, which is, you know, pretty cool. I think that they've they've given they've given a character, they've given one of the main characters uh, a, a race that people who watch Star Trek will know about, at yeah. least. So at least there's something to hang on to there. And I suppose, yeah, I I suppose Zero is also... Um, uh, the, the uh, I race. No but oh, I don't I know. What, I can't race. remember what they're called, but they were. Yeah. Um, Probably. That that looks like something TOS would come up with a series of flashing lights in a. I mean, it'll be shit in TOS. But. Yeah, it's a tin. <laughs> yeah. It was a garbage cool. can, and then they like sawed out a bit in the middle, and then they put like a disco ball, and then put some like bubble wrap to make the disco oh, ball. I can't wait. I now can't wait for when I have um, uh, I have children so that I can be like, here is TOS children, <laughs> just to see what happens. Because can you imagine what films and TV are going to be like by that time? Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. they're going to be, be used appalled. to watching. Yeah, they'll they'll be used to watching like. 3D. Oh my TV god, Dad! This doesn't even come in 4D. And... It's so lame. <laughs> well, I I think that in like 20 years' time, people will mostly ingest things through VR. Absolutely. I and I think going. I think even going back to the idea, telling a child that you you used to sit around a TV in the living see, room and ev- and all families would watch the same thing. I think. I see. I don't think that's true because I think. V- I, I think you're right, VR will be more important and people will do stuff. And I think one thing that will happen with VR um, is, for example, um, rather than watching a football match on TV, I'll put on a VR headset and sit in the virtual crowd. Yes. Um, but I VR's not going to be that much better than TV for showing live video like we're talking to each other on now. Mm-hmm. So for like live action, live performance stuff, it's not going to be as good. And I also think there will be it will be harder to do the communal watching thing with someone who physically is in the same place. You know, I don't think the TV will go. It's like how the TV didn't make radio completely redundant. We just now have podcasts instead. But there'll be a change like that, I think. Yeah, maybe you're right. Um... But um, predicting the future is famously something everyone's really bad at. So. Yeah. <laughs> Um, when am I going well, to have my VR that allows me to fuck a Vulcan? <laughs> you can already do that. <laughs> like, legit. That's, uh, that's what VR stands for, doesn't it? Vulcan Recreation. <laughs> <laughs> there's, a, there's a VR headset you can get now. Um, I can't remember which one it is, but it's it doesn't need a computer or anything. You can just, it's all... Is it the, the Oculus thing. Quest? Yeah, the Oculus, that's it. That's yeah, it. Uh, yeah, um, they are they I, are pretty cool. I've used one, but... Yeah. I, I really want to get, if I if I had, if I had unlimited money for this podcast, listeners, <laughs> um, I'd, I'd buy us, I'd Join get us access to three VR headsets and play the Star Trek game where you're on the bridge. <gasps> yeah, I would oh, love to do that. It's a great Sick. Star Trek game. You can do TNG and you can do Abrams vs. Missions. And this, and can you do <gasps> the Kobayashi Maru? You can do the Kobayashi Maru. Yes! Yeah. The captain, the captain, you have to have the captain and then every other position a player can play and you physically, like, press buttons Amazing. on the console, like, 
the captain is like, fire phasers, and the tactical officer presses the phaser <laughs> buttons and things. And the way the game works, which I think is really, really cool to make the captain relevant and give them something to do, is the captain is the only one that can see the heads up of every person. Right. So the captain's the Clever. only one that knows what the entire ship is doing. So you need a captain to be like, fire phasers, raise shields, repair this. <laughs> and the, it's all the other characters that have to manipulate the controls to actually physically do those That things. would be so cool. I would love to do that. A, a, a live... Uh, we, if we, it, uh, Listeners, if you have access to any VR technology that you could allow us to use, we would record a special episode where it's just us doing that and... We'll take it in turns to be captain and see who shit at us. Because <laughs> that would be the idea. It would be because we want to be entertaining, but we also would. I know all three of us, and we would just want to try and actually be the best captain. No, <laughs> like, you know what I would do though, right? Like if I was, my, I would. <laughs> you'd be, you'd be like, all right, fuck the Kobayashi Maru. We're all gonna die. Everyone, it, it's completely fuck. Everything's, everyone's gonna die. Uh, should we have an, an orgy on the bridge? <laughs> that, we're all going to die, so we might as well have an orgy. No, I was going to say that I would deliberately undermine the mission on purpose, and it would be fucking hilarious. <laughs> like, every yeah, time the would. captain's like, fire phasers, I'd fire them out of the wrong end of the ship, or just, <laughs> like, turn no, off you... the artificial gravity, or just do something to fuck with everyone. No, what would happen is the, the captain would say, fire photon torpedoes, and then you would be like, oh, what? Sorry, I was just playing with his ice axe. <laughs> <laughs> Oh. <laughs> Jake, you mentioned um, the characters and the aliens, yes. and I think we should talk about the characters. And sure. it, hilarious that you called Murph Flubber because yes. A, he looks exactly like Flubber, but B, he also looks exactly like Morph from Treasure Planet. And I'm like, he's literally called Murph, and there's <laughs> already a Morph that is functionally identical in every way. <laughs> like. <laughs> They've literally I just have not gone. Made that uh, but you're right. Yeah. We need the we need the fat one. We need the thin one. We need the sexy one. <laughs> we need the, we need the in, we need the like indeterminate blob one. <laughs> but also, yeah, I'm pretty sure that um, I'm pretty sure that Gwyn is a child. So you're now cancelled for calling her a sexy yeah. alien. Yeah. Yeah, but she's a cartoon. <laughs> And we, and they, look, they, they haven't. Your Honor. They, um. <laughs> they haven't specified she's a child, so until they confirm she's a child, I'm allowed to say it. But memory w- alpha. Once I'm aware Quinn, that she's not, let's a, cancel Jake live. <laughs> once I'm aware that she's a child, I will no longer find her attractive. But she's not a child. Jake, she I may is... be in Scotland this weekend but I have this ice axe and I'm willing to drive back to England to stab you with it. <laughs> That's the most terrifying thing that I've ever heard. <laughs> oh, there's no, there's, there's no, um, there's no... Official ages. No. I think we can yeah. safely assume that they're both meant to be teenagers. Like, Dal is very obviously a kind of like like early puberty sort of boy i'm thinking like maybe you know i mean god knows what he is in alien years but you know like he's like 14 15 he's that sort of age Gwyn is maybe slightly older because she seems very self-assured but she's still got a very sort of juvenile face that she's also i believe she's not biological offspring like she's a Sciencey bony. Oh right, yeah. Like grown in a lab. Like I, I assumed she was sort of about nineteen. Okay, I was thinking. I think definitely younger than that. Um, okay, well, maybe I think you're more right. in similar. Which case, I don't fancy. More similar to Dal. Um, but <laughs> my favourite character is actually Rock Tuck because I was actually completely. This was my favourite. My favourite moment in the whole pilot is this massive, like rock-like creature has been like roaring and growling and like chasing after Dal for like an hour and a half and then they get on the ship where the universal translator is and Rock Tuck is like oh so like hello where are we and you realize they're like a five-year-old girl yeah <laughs> so cute. Really, it was really nice I, I was really I, I liked that they didn't just make that character a big sort of bruising idiot like they've given that character a real personality yeah and Rock Tuck was a delight I, yeah, I, I I agree. Rock Tuck is my favourite uh, character in it. I think, um, mm. apart from possibly Jank and Pog, uh, 
who I love the reverse psychology scene with him. Where it's yeah. Like, oh, okay. <laughs> oh yeah. So they trick him into being, trick him into help, trick him into helping them escape because they basically insult his pride and say that he couldn't yes. fix the ship or whatever. Yeah. yeah Amazing. Exactly. And and he's you know he's uh, fantastically played by Jason Mansukas who <laughs> who I is unhinged and, and therefore yeah, like, yeah. a good addition to any cast. <laughs> exactly. And Jason Mansukas, if you ever want to come on this podcast, we would absolutely love to have you as uh, FOTS Jason Mansukas. I'm like um, genuinely afraid of him because he pulls <laughs> because he like pulls that like like crazed look that crazed look in his eyes it's just too convincing for me i actually think he's going to kill me <laughs> he's I, I i love him i think he's so good um if you listeners if you've never listened to any of the comedy bang bang podcasts that uh, he was on i would definitely recommend the ones with him and uh, him and uh, andy daly together doing improv against each other is uh, is made me laugh so much more than anything else but he does he's such a good job playing this character in Prodigy and I think it's really cool to have him in the the Star Trek universe as well now um but I I think that character is is sort of meant to be the the comedy relief like the comic relief of the the crew because if if yeah if Gwyn is sort of the the well she's Catra slash Prince Zuko slash every other character (laughs) that fills that niche in every other cartoon ever yeah she's the hard-nosed one who doesn't want to like don't want to uh, be there. Doesn't want to be there, and is like uh, not doesn't want to have any fun and that kind of thing. Um, and then, you know, Zero's the sort of intelligent one who is kind of the wise beyond, like kind of weirdly wise and a bit weird and kind of off the wall and yeah, maybe like sort of... not like you're not totally sure if he like he he's like chaotic neutral. So he'll be like, oh, this plan is going to work perfectly well, but the plan involves them all almost dying. But he doesn't consider that because yeah. he's not he hasn't got a corporeal form or something like e- that. Exactly. Yeah. Um. Yeah. It, it, yeah. Exactly. And uh, then you've got sort of you know obviously Dal is the kind of the hero the hero heroine type character who is like you know imperfect but has a good heart and all that kind of thing yeah the typical hero's journey chosen one like the audience standing who the kids are supposed to empathize with and yeah yeah exactly and then and you know and rock tuck is the the emotional uh like the support himbo but yeah, like also yeah, a yeah, child exactly. like a cross yeah. between grogu and the thing <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. Um, and she does look a lot like the thing from the fantastic four to be fair um but but then, yeah, I think Jank and Pog is is the this comedy sort of. He's he's essentially just Shrek with a welding mask, right? Yeah, and he's also like, the only adult on the ship, so I imagine that he's going to become like a sort of surrogate dad figure, but not like a dad, but more like a kind of chaos uncle, like a chaos <laughs> uncle with a welding torch. Yes, like Uncle Fester from. Uh, yes, the, absolutely, from or the like Grunkle Stan from Gravity Falls or something. I fucking love Gravity Falls; it's so good. Um, but uh, the yes, exactly, and I think, and I think that's sort of what they're doing. They're doing a sort of found family story. One hundred percent. Yeah, and and so that's why they fit all of these. Uh, stereotypes because that's what all found family stories have got the you know the Adams family I know they're an actual family but like it's the same concept yeah yeah um and I and I you know fine I'm not I don't have anything against that I think you know that's a it's a it's a it's a thing that works it's a formula that works that people get on board with and it, yeah, it makes don't it watch easier. this show because you think it's going to be interesting, exciting, groundbreaking, and something Star Trek's never done any, uh, before. No matter what the marketing tells you, because like every show is marketed as something you, you and unique, and it's this is absolutely yeah, this is not the opposite of that. But but yeah. like you yeah. could put, but it's still yeah, cool. Put it I'm on. Glad there's a Star Trek version of it. Throw it on when you want something that isn't going to take a lot of effort to watch, and that you potentially yeah. don't really have to pay that much attention to initially. Yes. Um, it's what I call lunch telly. Yes, it definitely yeah, is lunch telly. It, yeah, it's I because I watch a lot of children's cartoons uh, when I'm when I'm eating my dinner or my lunch at work because they're they only they're only on for twenty minutes and I don't have to concentrate. So I watch a lot of like ba- Batman the animated series and like things like that. X Men the animated series from the nineties, and this is exactly the kind of thing that I would stick on to watch a 20-minute episode of while I eat my lunch and then I can get back to work and I don't have to put loads of effort into thinking about what it is. So I think that's where it that's where it lands as a as a Star Trek property v- to be viewed by grown-ups. But, uh, 
for children. I think it's it's you know it's it's good Saturday morning TV. I know that that doesn't really exist anymore, but you know what I mean. I think they've also put some interesting thought into the casting of the show as well because they've got quite a sort of interesting group of of um actors together so you mm. have the the kid who plays rock tack she's bless it she's literally only 10 so this is her first oh, really? big role well sorry this is her Whoa. first role full stop but then I assume got... she was like an older actor no, doing a voice she's a she's a little kid she's a little 10 year old so then you've got on the one hand like D. Bradley Baker, who is just an absolute veteran of these kinds of animated shows and, and, and has animated the voice of, yeah. like, literally every comedy animal character you can possibly think of in every show ever. He was even... He's he's the pig from Gravity Falls. He's the the, the yeah. Mabel's gorgeous pig. Um, and then you have, like, Jason Manzoukas, who's, who's, like, a comedian, but is known yeah. for being a comedian in, like, live-action stuff, like Brooklyn Nine-Nine or whatever. So that's mm-hmm. okay... That's a little bit of an interesting combination. And but then you've also got like Ella Purnell playing Gwen is has she's only twenty five, but she's already been acting like her whole life. She's been in stuff yeah. for ages. So she's like a very well established actress. And then you've got um Brett Gray is actually more of a newcomer. Like he's been in a few things and they've mainly been more like gritty American dramas, like that seem to be based around like race relations and stuff. So this so just like a very diverse group of people and then you've got angus imry who i'm completely obsessed with and i like i just fucking love him so much he's he's so good who is like this up-and-coming fucking hilarious like exceptionally talented um sort of british actor who's he's just fantastic in everything he's in he's he's the son of celia imry isn't he yes Uh, he is yeah so he's like so he's kind of like old guard kind of acting royalty in terms of you know his kind of acting connections um, yes it's just like a weird weird mix of actors well, then but like a good late, mix like a, a good yeah, good weird i know later in the series jamila jamil uh, <laughs> joins the cast brilliant <laughs> um as, as an ensign i think um and i think she joins the cast and, and she's quite good in it um obviously she's worked with Jason Manzukas before, so I think that they might sort of have some kind of good chemistry, even though it's animated, they're not in the same room or whatever. Um, and David Diggs is in it and stuff like that as well, who's, uh, David has been in loads of sitcoms and stuff in America, and he, he's really good, uh, a really good um, black actor from, I think, New York. Um, yeah, wasn't he in the Snowpiercer show? He may well Yeah, no, that totally know. is I, him, yeah. I didn't watch it. I, I, yeah, I and Hamilton. Mostly from... Oh, was he in Hamilton? Oh, fantastic! Yeah. I've never seen it. I he was in um, uh, he was in Kimmy Schmidt uh, and uh, a couple of other things like that, uh, which he was really good in. Oh yeah, Zootropolis. Uh, he, he was in that. Yes, Woo-hoo. yes, he was. Yeah, um, but yeah, you're right. The the it's a very mixed cast of different ages, backgrounds, ethnicities, genders. Yeah, and like all of that, con- um, like British American mainly, but also like different acting genre backgrounds as well which i think yeah exactly cool. and and it's that that is very star trek and that i think mm. is yeah. when people are saying things like oh it's brand new and it it's breaking new ground and stuff like that i think it, although the actual show in its existence uh or oh, sorry in its like the although the actual show in terms of what is on the screen maybe isn't breaking new ground that much as far as we can see in the in the pilot, I mean, I, I'd love to be proved wrong with the rest of the show, but I think the actual background and behind the scenes of the show is something that's worth noting and celebrating, and 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 is a, a new, not necessarily a new or groundbreaking thing for Star Trek, but it's you know it, it's good for children's TV to have that kind of representation happening in it behind the scenes because the children won't know who any of these people are; they won't watch. They won't care. They won't ever find out, for the most part, who's doing the voices of these characters. So it's it's not like a they're not doing it for recognizability or whatever mm. or for their own careers, other than you know to to be paid for it, I guess. But the fact that they're the, the fact that yeah. roles have been given to people based on merit and suitability for the for the the character, rather than just because we want to have x famous person in this show or we want to have we we need to have a 
we need to have a black character or whatever. They they they're not they haven't done that, and that's one of the really good things with animation is that you know you can cast anyone of any race to play a character. You, you, although I agree, you shouldn't cast uh, actors who are white as characters who are uh, people of color. Um, I think you know you, we should be giving actors of color their chance to play those characters, but but when everyone's an alien you know it doesn't matter so you can you can have whoever, whoever the fuck you want. you want like you can and they yeah so i totally agree jake like i like i do think it is noticeable that they clearly have put some effort into have like a interesting range of actors um yes. and, and not just for show. show it's yeah it's not they're not doing it because because no one sees the faces of the actors it's not like they're going oh look at us look how diverse our show is they've just gone oh look at us look how diverse our show is because we happen to have booked all of these excellent actors who fit the characters and they happen to be yeah. a diverse yeah. cast yeah i think this is something that um you, I, I notice it in comedy a lot, um, where you can tell the difference between a promoter that is like, um, okay, this gig needs um, some people. Like, I, I, I'm lacking in my bookings for the next few weeks people of this minority or women or, sure. like, you know, I'd like some LGBTQ plus acts. And then they fill out a really good diverse bill every time. And the people that are like... Um, Oh, uh, yeah, I could do with uh, someone to fill a slot for tonight. And if it, they could be a woman, that'd be great. Because yeah, exactly. the former has is putting thought into it. And the latter is like, oh, it looks bad that I've booked all my mates. All my mates <laughs> yeah. are white, boring men. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, and, and and this show isn't doing that, yes. that first. However, thing. it is a loss and tragedy to society that like Angus Imri is like an alien... Like cosmic entity inside a robot body instead of a sexy alien. <laughs> <laughs> what I would like to see is some of these characters make the transition into uh, cameos as uh, uh, as live action characters in something in the future, and see like how how we get a live action version of I don't know Jank and Pog or something like that. I think it would be fun to see. I don't know how it would work or if they would ever do it, but. Um, it, I think, never seen it, yeah, it would be fun to see it though. Um, I'd love to see. I'd love to see a live action like Brad Boimler at some point. Like, yeah, that would be cool. Yeah, because I think also Jack Quaid, who plays Brad Boimler in Lower Decks, would actually be really good at doing it as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, oh, totally. Watched... Yes, one hundred percent. Just dye his hair purple, and and you know make yeah, him absolutely. look slightly harried, and then he'd be excellent. Yeah, if you've ever watched the the Amazon Prime series The Boys, uh, which he is the main character in, um, it, it, at the start of that, his character is essentially just Brad Boimler, but if he didn't join Starfleet. <laughs> um, is there anything else that we want to say about Prodigy before we go on to the important questions? No, let's go be inappropriate. Yes, well, this <laughs> is my point, because one of these questions feels very awkward to ask about a show that's aimed at children, but we're going to do it anyway. Um, so, first question, though, is important. Um, first question is, which of these characters would we most like to see wearing a fez? Oh, don't you think Zero would be cute? And, like, <laughs> and Zero would wear a fez because they don't, like, understand clothing because they're a, like, <laughs> yeah. ga- gaseous cosmic entity inside a robot. Um, they would... Would they, would they wear the fez on top of the robot? suit or in the robot suit floating on top of their sort of gaseous uh, <laughs> head thing god that's yeah that's so interesting I think I think if the fez was inside the robot it would just incinerate because I assume the reason yeah. that in a robot is because like they can't like like reality would rupture or something if they were just allowed to float free so um, I think the fez would have to be attached it would have to be like like um Jank and Pog would have to sort of weld or hammer the fez yeah. onto the top of Zero's robot suit. Okay, right, fair enough. Um, I was going to suggest uh, Murph because I think oh, you can never. That would be so cute. Yes. Because yes. I think Murph is already cute, and putting a fez on things only makes things cuter. So I think if that's what Nickelodeon are going for, if they're trying to win the kids over by having a, a cute blob character, give him a fez. Yeah, even cuter, I think. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. Although I, I'll go with the, I'll go with Murph. I would like uh, a shout out though to the idea of Dreadnought wearing a fez, 
because Dreadnought's I think... cannon wearing a fez. You know, he <laughs> that cannon thing, and it's just on the end of the cannon. Yeah, <laughs> I just think that that would be quite funny. For the same reason that it would be a good addition to Murph, I think it would be uh, like a good addition for Dreadnought because it would just make him seem slightly less threatening. Maybe the children wouldn't be as scared of him, so they would continue watching. I think yeah. that, like, you know when General Grievous, like, whips out, like, four yeah, different yeah. lightsabers at once? He should just whip out, like, 17 feathers on, like, <laughs> different robot arms. <laughs> yeah. Wouldn't that be brilliant? <laughs> um, and Well, okay, so... The second question, then, is the Klim question, which is, for new listeners, a Klim is a space Karen. So who in this episode is most likely to want to speak to the manager? Who's Dreadnought's, um, like, who is the manager? What's the manager's D- name? The Diviner. Diviner, yeah. Oh, the Diviner. The Diviner. Oh, the Diviner. Yeah, Emperor Palpatine. Oh, um, I guess Dreadnought demands... De- I don't know. Maybe Dal would, wants to speak to the what? manager, because he's like, why wouldn't the Diviner let me go? But I guess my, my my suggestion was going to be the Kazon that brings that Cation to the to the um, to the colony because yes. he seems like really pissed off that uh, that Gwynilla doesn't want to take the the Cation away mm. from him because it's too because the she's too young or whatever and that that Kazon looks like he's being like I'm not talking to you I want to talk to this other dreadnought bloke who looks scary because he seems like he's in charge yeah so fair. I, I think he's got quite good uh, Karen energy yeah also he did like abandon a child to slavery which I feel like is quite a Karen thing to do <laughs> <laughs> yeah because they're they're, they're sort of on the same level morals wise aren't they uh, abandoning a child to slavery and uh, getting annoyed at a <laughs> minimum wage worker in a costa well no i was thinking they both got that kind of underlying vague underlying vibe of white supremacy and then with the karen yeah and with the karen yeah. it comes out being rude to someone in customer services and with this case on it's like well this is a cat so it's not a real person they don't have feelings <laughs> yeah. so i can just sell yeah. them into slavery that's True. fine and also case on sounds a bit like karen anyway so <gasps> like you know yeah True. <laughs> that's and, and also if you watch a lot of the first series or the second series of uh uh, of Voyager, that lots of the Kazon are quite Karenish, actually. You know, I think about it, so I think that fits. All right, sure. Now, now do you want to ask this question, Jake? <laughs> <laughs> right, I will because uh, it's uh, because it's an important question. We need to ask it. They're all important questions. However, uh, because it's aimed at children, uh, I'm going to amend it slightly. So, oh, okay. So who in this episode is most likely to suck their own thumb? Oh, uh, see what I did there. Very sweet. Children. It's 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 obviously um, Rocktack. Like it's just yeah. obviously Rocktack. Rocktack yes. 100% does suck her thumb in one of the episodes of this show. Like there's no yeah. way there's not a scene where they're in the middle of some crisis and like Dal desperately like wrenches open one of the doors to like look for some machinery and Rocktack's just there like in the corner like looking really sheepish <laughs> that they've been caught yeah. cuddling a blanket and sucking their yeah, thumb. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. think that's exactly what it is. Yeah. Although I I quite like the idea of Dreadnought sucking his thumb as well though. Like <laughs> <laughs> like a big mechanical thumb. Uh, and what's it... Dreadnought's tongue though? Like what's what like? Oh, what I don't know. Maybe. Suck with. <laughs> do, do you think, need a tongue to suck? Do you think he'd be like a fine addition to my collection? Because <laughs> he's got like eight <laughs> arms. Do you think he would suck them all at once, or <laughs> just doing that? Are we, Maddie? We're just doing that gesture. Like, Ma- Maddie's trying to do a gesture of someone sucking a load of thumbs, but it does just look like she's miming cocks. <laughs> We can't be clean even when we try. <laughs> we even re-recorded a bit of it so that I got away with doing the the, the naughty joke that I did. <laughs> I'd still come back to dicks. <laughs> it all comes back to dicks. <laughs> all, and, that's the catchphrase of the podcast. Um, <laughs> just... If we if we ever release the podcast as like a, a special bonus album or something, that'll be one. <laughs> <laughs> Red shirts. It all comes back to dicks. <laughs> Um, well I think that's everything that we've got to say for Prodigy I think this is really exciting and I I would recommend listeners if you uh, if you're in the US and you can watch it already then go ahead and and watch it and let us know what you think of it as well Um, 
we can't access any more of it until uh, sort of the middle of this year when it becomes available in the UK. But we'll definitely talk about it again on the podcast when we can uh, legally. Um, but we, I, I think it was it's fun. I would I would recommend watching it, especially if you've got children and you want to try and get them into Star Trek. I would say it's a, it's worthwhile trying this. Um, but you know, not without the issues that we've discussed. Um, or, you know, just watch Star Wars and it's the same basic thing. <laughs> so thank you for listening, ladies and gentlemen. Um, as as always, uh, please give us a, a five-star review on, on Apple Podcasts uh, or wherever you get your podcasts. Tell your friends. Um, you can contact us on social media at RedShirtsCast on Instagram and on Twitter. Uh, or you can send us an email, RedShirtsCast at gmail.com. Uh, you can also get in touch with me, Jake Donaldson, your host, uh, because I... Um, I am a stand-up comedian, if you didn't know, and I have done a. I've just released a special stand-up comedy album on Bandcamp, uh, which is available for free. But you can give me money as well, and I would really like it if you gave me some money, uh, because <laughs> I cannot afford to pay my electricity bills. Um, so, if you want to keep the lights on, then uh, go and find uh, my uh, Bandcamp special. Uh, There'll be links. There'll be be links in the show notes. But if you search Jake Donaldson on Bandcamp, you'll find it, Donaldson Comedy. Uh, It's called Help, I'm Trapped in the Body of an Adequate Comedian. Uh, And it's an hour-long stand-up show that I recorded uh, before the pandemic. Um, It was meant to be recorded as a proper uh, album professionally, but then the pandemic stopped me from doing that. And so I found an old recording that I did on my phone of a preview uh, when I did the show as a work in progress. Uh, But it was pretty much ready by that point. But I... I'd also had two pints of cider before I went on stage. So there are bits in the show that I've left in where I forget the words and it's quite funny. So uh, if you want to listen to that, I think it's really cool and DIY and punk. I enjoyed it. I think it's cool Um, and DIY and punk, but uh, the industry and my agent says that it is bad. So if you uh, if you so if you want to prove me right or you want to prove me wrong, you still have to go and listen to it. So go and find that, please. Um, uh, I think it's worth ten pounds uh, or ten dollars if you're in America, um, which is I should say that it's worth ten pounds or twenty dollars if you're in America. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, go, please go and, and listen to that and buy it and tweet about it and share it with your friends. I think it's really good and I'm really proud of it. Um, you can continue listening to our podcast we'll be back next week i don't know what we're going to talk about yet but it'll be something fun and star trek related and it definitely won't be uh, another film about christmas that i made the maddie and nathan watched last time uh, and but we will be coming back to something fun like that again in, in the near future um all that's left to say is i uh, i was gonna say i love you there i don't know i'm panicking a little bit all that's left to say is live long and prosper and goodbye 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 Bye.